0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All right, pop quiz time. Stanford football is A, better than its 3-4 record, B, a 3-4 team, C, all of the above, or D, none of the above. I got an answer for that. So does David Shaw. And so does one of our special guests on this episode of the TreeCast with Troy Clarity on the Believe Podcast Network. A lot to get to. Glad you're here for it. Thursday, October 28th, 2021. Hey there, hi there, ho there. We are fresh off the bye week. And we are getting ready for Stanford football's return to the field under the lights at Stanford Stadium. Stanford hosting the Washington Huskies, a 7.30 p.m. kickoff Should be intriguing, it usually is, whenever the Cardinal and the Huskies meet on the football field. Helping us break all those things down will be a couple of special guests. One, Stanford offensive line coach Terry Heffernan. I always enjoy going inside the trenches, and the Stanford offensive line is largely a big player in the fortunes of Stanford football from one season to the next. Mixed bag for the Stanford offensive line so far in 2021. What's gone right? What could be going better? We'll go over to all those things with Coach Hefferdon as one of our special guests. And our other one is a familiar face and voice in the Stanford football community and a familiar arm too. You might remember him when he was slinging the rock for Stanford back in the late 90s, including Stanford's Rose Bowl appearance after the 1999 season. And uh, he was the uh, Stanford football radio color commentator for a decade plus on the Cardinal Sports Network. Good to catch up with my man Todd Huzak. We will do that a bit later on in the program. I'm Troy Clarity. Great to have you with me on the show. Year number 29 following Stanford football. Year number 8 of Pac-12 Network play-by-play. Been so awesome to be calling uh, soccer and field hockey and volleyball, sometimes all in the same week throughout the course of this uh, fall sports season. Awesome to be back and uh, great to be uh, following Stanford football around as well. And uh, don't forget, subscribe to the show, rate and review the program, and share the show as well. When you subscribe it, uh, subscribe to it, you can do so via your favorite listening app, no matter which way you want to go, Spotify, uh, Stitcher, uh, Google po- Google Play, Apple Podcasts. Amazon. Tune in. Everyone has got a way to let you know and to let you hear the tree cast with Troy Clarity. And uh, we are certainly very happy for that. So back to the question at hand. I mean, it is kind of midterm time, certainly in the patch 12, right? And probably midterm time on the college campuses as well. I don't miss that part. There's a lot of things I love about the college lifestyle. Midterms, eh, it wasn't exactly one of them. But That's what we're kind of thinking about here on on this episode. Is Stanford better than its three and four record, or are the card who the record says they are? Well, on Tuesday, I asked David Shaw for his thoughts on that.
1: I want to say we're a better team than three and four, but three and four is how we played. Um, You know, I think we're capable of better. I think every coach and player on our on our team thinks we're better uh, than how we've better than our record, Um, but that doesn't matter. Um, we have to play better in order to win games. Yeah, uh,
0: coach is right. I mean, whether you think that Stanford's better than three and four or not, they need to start winning some ball games, and they need to do start doing it very, very quickly. Now, my answer, and Todd Huzak's answer, coming up a bit later on in the show. We'll give you three things you need to know as Stanford heads into this matchup with the Washington Huskies. But of course, first, this reminder. As a new web interface for the start of the basketball season, with more props, odds, and lines than ever before, you know we're talking about Bet Online, which remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code Believe50. That's B L E A V five zero to receive your bonus bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and they're certainly all happening (laughs) certainly this week anyway (laughs) between everything that's happening right now bet online where the game starts where the tree cast usually starts is with three things you need to know and this episode is no different Three things you need to know about Stanford football heading into this Saturday showdown with the Huskies. Let's fire this up with number. And probably the biggest reason David Shaw was looking forward to the bye week was it was a chance to get the guys to heal up a bit and in some cases return to playing form. Well, how did things shake out in that department? Well, during his weekly media Zoom, David Shaw gave us
1: his personnel update. Uh, Probable for this game. Uh, E.J. Smith, Tucker Fisk, and Tristan Sinclair. Um, those guys uh, had a good off week and um, ran through some stuff last night. Look like they're ready to go. A um, couple guys on the questionable list. Uh, Noah Williams uh, maybe getting close. We'll see. Uh, John Humphreys um, not really sure, but um, give him a couple days and then uh, you know finally Mike Wilson um, ran through some things in the in the bye week. Um, wouldn't say he's definitely in just yet, uh, but we may be getting close. So he'll probably take some reps this week and see if he can come back to us. And then out this week will be Bradley Archer.
0: Yeah. And add to that, this Casey Philkin, Stanford running back and punt returner out for this one. And in fact, the rest of his season may also be a little bit in doubt as well. Great to get E.J. Smith back for reasons that we've talked about before, especially considering uh, different facets he can bring to the uh, Stanford offense. Tucker Fisk sorely needed, I think, on both sides of the ball. And Tristan Sinclair, I think, was missed uh, with his presence athletically against the Cougs a couple weeks ago. Uh, now, Wilson listed as questionable on Tuesday, but trending upwards, he has been practicing this week. Uh, I was at Wednesday's practice, a reminder that we're not allowed to observe practice, but we can certainly you know notice who's coming off the field. Wilson in full pads and all that stuff, practicing this week. David Shaw says he'll likely make the call on Thursday on whether Wilson will play against the Huskies on Saturday. That will certainly be a very welcome development. John Humphreys, that's a bit less clear, but... It's still possible that he plays this week. One guy I had been worried about was right tackle Miles Hinton. The last time, of course, that we saw him, he was hobbling off the field in Pullman and pass pro went down the tubes on Stanford's final drive against the Cougs. Now, Shaw told me on Wednesday afternoon that Hinton's okay, but we could still see a shuffle on the offensive line. More on that later. Let's get to number two. In six games, the Stanford starting quarterback Tanner McKee has largely been as advertised, and maybe in some respects, perhaps even better than that. Sophomore quarterback completing 65 percent of his passes, throwing for 14 touchdowns versus just three ints. All those coming in the Arizona State game, and running for three more scores.
1: Shaw on what he's seen from McKee so far this year has gotten better every single week. Um, his anticipation, his recognition, his accuracy. Um, his, his, his game plan, you know, adjustments from week to week, um, I've gotten so much better. Coach Pritchard has done a great job, um, kind of shepherding his growth. Um, and I think he put the film on now and he doesn't look like a guy who's in the first half uh, of his first year starting, you know, he looks like a veteran, you know, dare I say he looks like one of the best, if not the best quarterback in our conference, um, you know, from time to time, um, he, he can reach those heights. That's
0: David Shaw, and beyond all that, Tanner has some intangibles as well,
2: according to Stanford 50-year fullback Houston Hamouli. Tanner's a very nice guy and hilarious, but he's very competitive. He's nicely competitive. I've seen him play ping pong, um, and that dude's nasty. That guy is uh, that guy's nasty. Him and Gabe Reed and Spencer Jorgensen, those dudes are all three nasty hombres in that uh that world. So he's competitive. Super nice, um, but that edge of, you know, he kind of knows when to bring out whatever competitive streak he needs at certain moments, which I kind of like. Is that he's good at choosing when, or, when, and where to bring out kind of that uh, that very competitive Tanner, um, especially during games. It comes out a lot, and you see it in his in his eyes and his leadership. That's Houston A. Moody. Yeah, T-
0: Tanner's not a killer, but don't push him. I can't really quote much of the rest um, of that song. I'll just leave it there. Uh, let's finish up three things with number three. Stanford's loss to Washington state put the card in a tough spot in the standings, but still plenty to play for and decide in the weeks ahead. Stanford inside linebacker, Jacob mangum Ferrara tells what's on the table for Stanford
2: for the rest of this season. I mean, the goal has always been go to the Pac-12 championship and win that game. Um, And unfortunately, I mean, it's not necessarily off the table right now, but um, we're just going to do whatever we can um, to make things go our way. Um, That's always been our goal, and we're going to keep fighting for it. Yeah, winning
0: the Pac-12 isn't off the table, but it's kind of hanging by a thread. Cardinal looking up at four teams in the North entering this week. Oregon, Oregon State, Washington State, and UW. Stanford's already lost to Washington State, but that Oregon win? That's still pretty nice to have in pocket with Oregon State and Washington still to come. Now, will Stanford need help? Uh Uh-huh. A lot of it? Probably. But Stanford hopes to control what it can in the win column the rest of the way. Still a lot to decide as we start to head towards November in Pac-12 football. Those are three things. Stanford offensive line coach Terry Heffernan. And former Stanford quarterback Todd Huzak. Two very special guests coming up a bit later on in the program. Stick around for that. But first, I want to go back to, to what we began the show with and whether Stanford at three and four is actually a better team than that three and four record or whether three and four is truly who they are. And you might remember I also threw in an all of the above option. To that, and I think that's the way to go because I th- certainly think that that both of these those those things can be equally true. Stanford with convincing wins over USC and Vanderbilt, and a win over Oregon that <laughs> gets a bit more and more inexplicable by the week, but we'll take it. We'll take it. We ain't complaining about that. No way, Jack. Stanford should have beaten Washington State. It could have beaten UCLA. The hole that Stanford was in in the second half down in Tempe, that that was a bit too deep for me to think that that ASU game is in the could-have pile. So I I won't leave that there in Kansas State. Well, the way Stanford was playing offensively for much of that, uh, that game was never really in reach defensively either, especially in the first half. And there's certainly a lot to like about this team. like the quarterback in a big way, like the skill positions. Stanford with a great corner in Caillou Blue Kelly and largely steady special teams. Stanford's wanted share of special teams battles uh, throughout the year. But there's no doubt that this team is also haunted by sloppiness at times. That certainly reared its ugly head against the Cougs, especially in the first half, as Stanford watched its 13-0 lead get frittered away. Penalties and ineffectiveness in plus territory. For the biggest exhibit of that, go back to the Arizona State result. And an inability to keep the other team from from making big plays when it matters most. See UCLA. See Washington State. And to a lesser extent, see Kansas State, too. And don't forget, this is a very, very young team, and especially in some some very crucial spots, an inexperienced team in some crucial spots, uh, quarterback, center, right now safety as well, and a team that, that had depth at the start of the season, but that depth was chipped away, especially in some of the units we thought were the deepest ones, secondary, wide receiver, and running back. And oh, by the way, the offensive line has been performing below the line for the most part for much of the year. And when that happens at Stanford, look out. Look out. So is Stanford better than three and four? Or is three and four what Stanford really is? My answer to that is yes. Both of those things can be equally true. Three and four not good enough for, for bowl consideration. Not at that trajectory. Nope. Stanford's going to need to to turn some things around pronto if they want to get any consideration for heading somewhere and playing somewhere in December. But yeah, I, th- I think both of those things can equally be true as of right now. Would love to get your thoughts on this too. Hit me up with, on Twitter at the hashtag TreeCast. Hashtag TreeCast. That's the way to go. The best way to ensure that I see what you've got on your mind with Stanford football and Stanford athletics in total. Hashtag TreeCast. What do you think is Stanford is Stanford a better team than it's three and four mark would indicate, or is this about right? I think it depends on how you look at it. And I also think that both things can be equally true. If you look at the Stanford depth chart this week, one thing probably stands out to you especially if you've been looking at these depth charts every single week during the season, as I have. I kind of have to, right? Something a bit different at right tackle. Starter there is listed as Miles Hinton or Branson Bragg. Hinton had been listed as the sole starter there all season up until this week. So based on that, I kind of raised an eyebrow or two. That's I only got two eyebrows, so really can't go beyond that. But but what's behind all this? What, what, is, what, what is this all about? I asked David Shaw
1: after Wednesday's practice. We'll continue to roll the offensive line. Um, you know, I, I can't praise Jake Hornibrook enough. Um, he's played really well, so we're going to rotate him in there. We'll rotate um, Branson Bragg at right guard and right tackle. He'll play both. Um and, and Jake will play some right guard and some left guard. So we'll, we'll rotate those guys most likely in some way most of the rest of the year.
0: Yeah, and I remember seeing Jake Hornerbrook in that left guard at points against Washington State. And after Hinton left that game, uh, Hornerbrook played a right guard with Bragg heading out to right tackle with Walter Rouse staying at left tackle. Um, Hornerbrook, when he played in that left guard, uh, was replacing Barrett Miller and uh, Drake Nugent staying in its center uh, throughout the entirety of that contest, as he has uh, throughout the entirety of the season. So Horner book at right guard and Bragg heading out to right tackle, and it appears that we're going to see that again at points going forward for the rest of the season. Not just a, It doesn't seem like it's just a wait and see or see what happens against the Huskies kind of thing. No, that, that kind of seems like it might be might be fairly standard operating procedure as far as a rotation is concerned at right tackle going forward, and it doesn't appear to be injury-related. And there have been times when it seems that Hinton has struggled at right tackle, especially against the, the quicker defensive ends and the outside linebackers that, that, that Stanford has faced throughout this season. So a bit of a shuffle on the offensive line. Let's do a deeper dive on that and on all things tunnel workers union with the first year offensive line coach Terry Heffernan coming to Stanford from the Buffalo Bills also spent some, some other time in the NFL, the Detroit lions, but back in the collegiate ranks as he replaced uh, Kevin Carberry who moved up and went off uh, to the Los Angeles Rams after last season was done. So Heffernan, That's his unit out there up front, and it's been a bit of a mixed bag for those guys. After Wednesday's practice, I caught up with Stanford Offensive Line Coach Terry Heffernan. All right, Coach, you got the Washington Huskies coming to town on Saturday evening. We'll get your thoughts on that matchup here in just a few moments or so. But first, coming off a bye week, as much as I'm sure you like watching the guys compete, and I'm sure as much as they like competing, I'm sure this was also a much needed bye week for this squad as well. What were some of the things that, that you wanted to see come out of this bye week and what eventually did come out of it?
3: Yeah, I, I think the first thing you start with when you're talking about a bye week is just a mental break. You know, and you're constantly preparing for something. You know, getting ready, you play a game, and it's almost minutes after you're done where your thoughts go to the next opponent, you know, and that's just the, the routine and, and how, how it works in football. And so to have a week where you're not pressed for time, preparing for somebody, you can, our guys can maybe watch a movie. You know, where they don't get time to watch a movie during a normal week, or or uh, go out to dinner, or something that where it's kind of a break from from the routine. And for us as coaches as well, you know, so I think and I think that's really important, and that's a huge component to the bye week of just you know yeah. mentally refreshing yourself. Uh, physically, uh, it's a great opportunity for our guys to work on their bangs and bruises. You know, you have guys who are injured, but you know most guys are hurt in some way shape or form and so if if guys can kind of you know ice down their hands or take a little off their their feet or their knees um, it can really really show up on the practice field and then you're hoping on the game field in the next game.
0: And we'll see what all turns out on a Saturday against the Huskies. Obviously, Stanford coming in with a three and four record, not where it wanted to be. I'm right. pretty sure at this point of things. Uh, how would you size up how things have gone for the team overall, and how would you size up how things have gone for the for the O line to this point?
3: Uh, yeah, uh, well, in, in both we are not where we want to be, right? So there's there's certainly a, a component of disappointment there, uh, a component of frustration. Uh, that's not where we are, though. You know, we we are uh, a group. As an offensive line and as a team that just shows up to work every day and attacks that challenge, and so um, we're not where we want to be, but there's five games ahead of us, you know, in in this regular season. And our goal is to to do our best and to progress and to, to play our best football still in the future. And you know that that's what we're working at every day. You can't control what's past, and you can learn from those mistakes, you know. Uh, but uh, you know you have a certain period where you can lament those things, and then they become. Um, a hazard to you. So uh, we're just trying to focus on having a great practice tomorrow, you know, and, and great preparation and great meetings for Washington.
0: And overall, what's the O line done best so far this year? What's the biggest point of improvement that you can see right now? Uh,
3: best, I would say, you know, we've we've had a pretty successful passing attack. And that's the one thing about O-line is you get to hand in everything, you know. And it's not just a run game; you better, better be able to protect uh, when you have a kid that can sling the ball around like we do, and and uh, some receivers that can get open. And I think I think we've done a pretty good job. Now, the thing about pass protection is, you know, everybody just remembers the last sack, and uh, unfortunately, that's how the last games ended, you know. So, but I've been I've been proud of our kids' kind of progression on on some of that, and then. Um, you know, then there's plenty of other stuff that we're, we're addressing every day
0: and working to get better on. When I'm looking at offensive line play, period, what are some things that I need to especially keep an eye on to? be able to evaluate at least close to properly i'm sure i can i'll I'll never be able to reach your level i'm pretty sure but at least to be able to evaluate okay this is going well this could be going better what are some things that that i need to to keep a special eye on when i'm watching when i watching any offensive line play yeah no there's been a
3: recent movement you know kind of with pff and everything to kind of quantify offensive line play recently and i in in you know I certainly kind of laugh at that because it's, it's hard unless you know exactly what the guys are supposed to be doing on that play to truly evaluate it, you know, and, and even as a coach you're going, oh, oh, shoot, yeah, I thought he was wrong but he was right and I knew what he was supposed to do. So when, when you get that, somebody says, hey, PFF's great on this guy, I always kind of go, you know, what does that mean, you know? Um, the easiest way is are you scoring points? Right, Because, like I said, the thing about offensive line, you got to hand in everything. So you might be a team that's throwing the ball all over the place, and it's going to take really good protection to be able to do that. If you're running the ball all over the place, you're creating seams and knocking guys back off the ball. Uh, if, if you're scoring points and your offensive line is playing well, that's just the truth of the matter. How's uh, Drake Nugent been so far this year at the center spot, and it's
0: been been his job for the entire season.
3: Yeah, no, Drake's Drake's really done a wonderful job, and it, he's getting better every week. And uh, you know, we felt like he played his best football game against Washington State, uh, and I hope that's only true for the two weeks up until Washington. Um, but he's got a great command for the offense. We ask a lot of our centers to to put us in the right position, ID things, to be a great communicator. Um, and uh and, and he's grown in that role and he's really starting to kind of take the reins for that
0: looks like a little shifting around somewhat at times branson Bragg normally at right guard we might see him a little bit at the right tackle it seems um against the huskies Well, what are some things that that change when you go from the interior line uh to the outside yeah
3: so uh the biggest difference is when you're in the interior things happen a lot quicker you know, the, the movements are quicker, the explosion of the defensive tackles right on you. And at tackle, you get you get more space to work with. So if you're a guy that's going from guard to tackle, you got to deal with, now I'm in deep water. You know, I feel like I'm swimming out in the ocean here as opposed to, a, 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 you know, a lap pool. Um, you know, so, yeah, both of them are transitions. Um, you know, fortunately for, for us, we've got to, we kind of cross-train our guys as much as we can. You know, we, we want to recruit O-linemen here. and So guys come and say, hey, you know, are you recruiting me as a, a left tackle? No, you're an O-lineman. So we're going to try and teach everybody to snap, try and teach everybody to set like a tackle, try and teach everybody to play guard so that, that versatility can get your best players out on the field.
0: You come to the farm after a couple of years with the Buffalo Bills. I'm pretty sure you're looking to finding out what winters here are like as opposed to what they were like uh, in western New York. Uh, what was that experience like with, with, with the Bills, a team that, that was on the come up and still is on, on on the NFL level? And how much of what you experienced there have you taken with you here to the farm?
3: Right. Uh, it, it, was, it was a great experience um, in a big part because we were good. You know, last game – I coached there it was the AFC Championship game. Unfortunately, we weren't able to win that and go to the Super Bowl, but it was a heck of a fun experience. And a team um, that when I went there, you know, people were saying, oh, that's, hey, you should, maybe you should have gone somewhere else. Or um, I would second second guess that because they, they hadn't, you know, been that successful. Um, so that was that was a ton of fun. I think as a coach, you, and and I've had been lucky enough to be a lot of places. You know, and in some ways in coaching, you're really lucky when you stay one place for a long time. Um, I think it it can be both ways. So uh, every stop, you're, you're taking things away from it, taking interactions with players or schemes or coaching techniques. And certainly. Uh, Buffalo had a ton of great coaches and a, and a ton of really good uh, players to work with, and was able to uh, kind of extrapolate, take a lot away from
0: those guys. I'm sure Harrison Phillips probably gave his his stamp of approval. I'm sure.
3: Yeah, so we had we had Trent uh, right, yeah. Trent Murphy yep. and Harrison. So yeah, I got to be close with both of those guys, and you know, because I, I uh, the O line and the D line world, and and uh, yeah, so when this this job became. Open, uh, those were two guys that I kind of sought out their opinion and say, hey, what do you think? Do you think I would be a fit for this? And, and our guys that helped, helped get
0: me here. So, a couple last things here for you as we start to uh, turn towards Saturday against the Washington Huskies, a team that kind of seems to be in a similar boat as Stanford right now, hoping to put together a big push uh, for the final th- a few games uh, of the regular season. Uh, you look at the Washington uh, front seven. What are some things that pop out at you when you look at the tape of these guys?
3: Yeah. So the first thing is they're good. This is a good defense, and you know there's a lot of statistics to kind of back that up. And and you're, you're hoping when you put on a team that maybe had the early season struggles they had that you're like, oh, maybe they're not that good, and they are. They're big up front. They've got uh, really, really talented pass rushers on the edge, and so just personnel-wise, they provide you a lot of problems. Um, you know, so so after that disappointment, you kind of dig down into it, and um, they're, they're you know some, do some things schematically that are challenging, but for the most part, they just really let their guys play. And like I said, they've got good players, and so we've got to we've got to be great with our technique and, and and our execution to be able to take advantage of what we feel like is a good plan for
0: Stanford to get to where it needs to go. Blank needs to happen. I fill in the blank here for you. Oh, blank. Um,
3: I guess I'd say execution. All right. Um, You know, I think when we in the bye week, you you partly look back on yourself and evaluate how how can you be better. And, you know, that's just something that's come up time and time again with my group and I think with the team is is being able to get the opportunity to present itself and really sink our teeth into it and say, hey, we're we're taking advantage of this. And that boils down to execution. And you're only going to get so many opportunities, especially against the good teams that we play, Uh, on our schedule and you have to be able to to take advantage of them in a timely fashion and so I think if we can go out this weekend and execute the way we're capable of we're going to win we're going to win and we're going to be you know winning five games the next five you know but uh, it's a lot easier to say than it is to do Um, you know but I'm excited to have another opportunity to go back out and put that on
0: tape. All right, let's wrap it up on this. David Castro saw him walking around uh, practice uh, here today. How, how cool was that? And yeah. uh, what, 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 what do you have to say to the fellas? Yeah,
3: pretty cool, very cool. So we talked to the offense line after, and it was awesome. It was my first time meeting David. but And I told him this when I was coaching for the Detroit Lions. You know, we had a cut-up of, of him pass setting that we showed our guys, you know. So I told our players the highest praise I can give him is this is a player who you would show other NFL players how to play the game? You know, you'd have other pros watching his tape and studying him on how to be better. And so, had a great message for the guys, and it's really a cool opportunity to be an offense lineman here at Stanford and have access to guys like that. You know, he's been on Zoom calls with our our guys in the past, and I mean, you could reach out and ask him a question.
0: Uh, that's pretty cool. I remember watching him mash the Huskies a time or two. Would love to see a similar performance uh, from this year's squad on Saturday. Should be fun. Can't wait. Coach, thanks a bunch. Best of luck. Best of health. We'll talk again soon.
3: I appreciate it. Thanks so much.
0: Enjoy catching up with uh, Terry Heffernan. And, uh, yeah, it was uh, cool to see uh, David DeCastro <laughs> hanging out on the practice field. And apparently Sam Schwartstein uh, was also at Wednesday's practice as well. I didn't, I didn't see him. Uh, but I saw pictures later on, and wait a minute, Sam Schwartzstein's here! Wow, Schwartzstein, you might remember, joined the Tree Cast uh, back in December, and uh, he actually, the more I think about, it, he was part of a group that was walking by us along with DeCastro, Castro, uh, by walking by Coach Heffernan and I as uh, we were talking. So I'm sure if I recognized him, oh hey, Sam, how you doing? So good to see uh, Sam Schwartzstein, and also great to see uh, David DeCastro Castro, an All-Pro Pittsburgh Steeler. He and I overlapped, I think, a year or so um, in Pittsburgh, so I'm sure we could have traded some 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 stories about the 412 area code. But good stuff from uh, from uh, Terry Heffernan and 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 look, Stanford's best moments up front have been in pass protection, and even then, there have been some moments where there have been a few things um, to be desired, uh, especially the last time we saw. Stanford's offensive line and pass protection where it just simply collapsed on that final drive against Washington State and Tanner McKee couldn't even get off a pass in three snaps. But Stanford overall, their best moments have, have, up front have been in pass protection. But what this offensive line truly takes pride in is run blocking and mashing people into the turf and moving a guy from point A to, to point B against his own will. We haven't seen that from this group so far this year. We've talked about it, I think, every single week for the most part. Um, even after the USC game. I mean, Nate Pete got that, that 87-yard touchdown, but 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 Stanford didn't really get much of anything else on the ground after that. So until Stanford's offense finds that other gear and is able to run down clock. And to power down opponents, it's going to be a bit of a white-knuckle ride. And for me, that's a big deal. A white-knuckle ride for Stanford in the second half of games if they get leads. Could that improve this week against the Washington Huskies? Well, statistically, it might. More on that later on in the show. Well, technically, we've passed the halfway point of the season. Stanford seven games in with five games to go. But just for for the sake of it, let's just call it the halfway point with the Cardinal coming off of the bye week and heading down a critical stretch, mostly at home as as the Cardinal trying to get in position for a possible postseason bid. What have we seen? What do we need to see going forward? There is no one I can think of any better to answer some of our questions at the halfway point than one of the very best folks to talk Stanford ball with. You heard him as the radio analyst for Stanford football, Stanford quarterback from 1996 to 1999. And of course, that includes starting in the 2000 Rose Bowl, leading the Cardinal to that appearance. Always great to catch up with my man, Todd Huzak. Todd, thanks a bunch. How are you doing today? I'm doing great.
4: Thanks for having me. It's great to talk Stanford football. I've been uh, sorely missing it, so it's great to uh, discuss with a, a fellow fan and somebody who's as passionate as I
2: am about it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let's let's, let's dive right into it. And uh, I've kind of been having this, this little theme for the show, uh, at least early on. We heard David Shaw's answer on this, and my thoughts on this as well. I definitely get your thoughts uh, here on this as well. Stanford three and four heading into the bye week. Some folks would say that Stanford's a better team than three and four. Others would say that Stanford is about right where it should be. I say that both things can be true. Where are you kind of sitting on that? Well, I I think
4: if you had said coming out of the first three games, could they be two and one, would you be happy with that? I I think the answer would be yes. Um, Kansas State was a tough team on the road, early game. Things didn't line up for Stanford. It just wasn't, you know, the quarterback switching, I think, proved itself to be early on, not the answer. And then to come back the next week and beat a top 20 USC team uh, on the road. It, I think it's funny, like after Kansas state, what's the expectations for the rest of the season? It looked pretty bleak. After USC, it looked very promising. And then a big win against Vanderbilt on the road. Um, and now you're all of a sudden thinking this, this season could have a lot more promise than people were, were thinking. I've said this, in the past, but when Vegas came out with the over under on win totals for Stanford, it was three and a half for the season. So uh, all of a sudden that's looking like a huge under understatement of what Stanford could do. Um, And then they got pounded by UCLA and, you know, it's just an up and down season. And then they beat a top five team in Oregon, a top three team. So um, I, I think there it's a team that is talented, especially on the offensive side. I think, Coming into the season, they've proven to be what most of us thought, a team that needed to outscore their opponents more often than not. And that means you uh, the big question coming in is Tanner McKee the guy. I, I think that question has been answered. He is the guy. Mm-hmm. i very impressed by him, his timing, his accuracy. Uh, He doesn't make a lot of bad decisions. He, he seems to be – now part of it is his age, but he seems to be ready to become – a great quarterback not just for Stanford but I think in the conference uh, and there's some good pieces around him. I like how Erossix developed. I like how our big strong receivers um yeah the one thing I didn't think would be a question was the offensive line and that's really been uh maybe where the team's been let down a little bit with with regards to certainly run game production but protecting the quarterback late in the Washington State game you just can't give up those pressures especially on a three man rush when they got to push the ball down the field. So uh, you know, the run game has, I think, inhibited how good this offense can be because it's tough to just drop straight back and, and throw the ball. Um, and they they haven't seemed to found that, find that rhythm. Arizona State, they rush for nine yards on 20 carries. That's just not, Sanford's the uh, worst rushing team in the conference, which you go back to when they were dominant, it was the opposite. And they they were running for 250 a game, regardless of the opponent. So If they can figure out how to run the ball effectively, uh, I think they've been most effective in the passing game when they can leverage the play action and either get uh, the linebackers to suck up on a draw fake or move Tanner McKee outside the pocket. They've been effective and they've been able to consistently move the ball. I think a couple other trends that you see with the offense, the middle of the game, they seem to get bogged down. And, you know, whether it's a good start like they had again, they should have blown Washington State out by three touchdowns. I mean, the way that game move the ball down. They had to settle for a couple of field goals. They turned the ball over and all of a sudden Washington state takes that early lead. Uh, That's a game where Stanford, I think in years past finds a way certainly defensively to slow down Washington state, but I think offensively finds a way to punch it in and take that early big lead and and leave the team really put a lot of pressure on the opposition to try to keep up. So we'll see. But like you said, there's some opponents that Stanford should be able to handle. Uh, certainly next week in, in Washington and and play with Utah. Uh, but I think the next couple of weeks are going to be critical in how this season finishes. A bowl game is still certainly within reach.
0: Sure.
4: Based on who they have left on the schedule.
0: Yeah, yeah, no doubt about that. Still a lot left on the table for this Cardinal uh, squad um, in the weeks ahead. Um, offensively, uh, th- 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 it's no secret that Stanford has not had all hands on deck at any point throughout this course uh, of the season with receivers going down. Mike Wilson might be finally making his debut this week. I'm sure that'll be a, a, a very welcome sight uh, for, for David Shaw, the offensive brain trust, and for Tanner McKee as well. But EJ Smith has been out of the picture. Uh, Casey Philkins has been out of the picture. Bryson Tremaine obviously is not going to be uh, in the mix uh, going forward. Uh, did, did you notice and have you noticed any differences uh, on some things that Stanford was doing from an offensive standpoint from concepts and things like that, based on the personnel that was out there when you didn't have an EJ Smith who could line up in the slot, maybe move or move things around a little bit. Did, have you, did you notice things like that based on how I, the personnel was going?
4: Yeah. I think where Stanford has been successful, they, they have thrown the slant route very effectively. And I think they've, they've thrown over the middle effectively, especially when they, you know, they, they fake the inside handoff, get the linebackers to step up and either get the ball behind them or over at the top. We saw the long play to Urošic against Washington State. Those have been effective. I don't think screens have been effective necessarily. I'd still love to see Stanford get more run after the catch, and I think the way to do that uh, it's not just quick slant routes where the guys are tackled immediately because the corner's all over the big wide receivers, but it's crossing routes. Get guys running from the right side, catch the ball on the left side, and have some separation where they can run away because Stanford has the speed. I I like Stanford skill position players as much as any team in the conference. I think Mm -hmm. of that type of talent, even with the injuries. Um, So there are things they can do schematically that will help. And all of a sudden, maybe it becomes a team where you have to pass to open up the run, get teams where they can't put the safeties down because they're so afraid of the wide receivers and the tight end. All of a sudden there's one fewer safety to clog up the run game. And now you can get three, four yards of carry as opposed to negative yards, which we've seen way too often. I mean, at Stanford, the last few years, you go back second and long has been a killer for the Stanford team. And that sets up too many third and longs. Uh, And frankly, penalties haven't helped either. There's been a lot more so, I think, in years past with penalties, not just penalties in general, but penalties in, in crucial situations that have really made it harder for Stanford to be consistently successful. I'd love to see Stanford take more deep shots. There's just hasn't been part of that goes back to protection, but there are ways schematically, whether it's holding in a blocking tight end or fullback where you can get an eight man protection, still have a two or three man route, uh, whether it's seven man protection and really put pressure on the secondary for the opposition where Stanford has the big wide receivers. Uh, Let's see if they can guard on the deep shot. Versus, I mean, really, Stanford throwing it down the field has been back shoulder fade route, which um, is at best probably a 50 50 shot just overall. So I I think Stanford has done a good job. The slants have been working well. I I think Tanner McKee's height and size and timing allows them to be successful in that. Uh, I I also like the running backs. I mean, we we saw two big plays at the Mm -hmm. end of the state game where Pete and Jones either broke tackles or that that third and one Pete was stopped eight yards short. He cut it back, made the guy miss, got the first down, you know, those were, and then the, the latter uh, play with Jones on the touchdown, those were big time plays from a running back. We just don't see them in space. I, I think Stanford gets bogged down when they go to the heavy set, the three tight end fullback. It, it just, it, it doesn't, it hasn't opened up the holes that I think Stanford is used to, maybe that goes back to the offensive line, but I think part of it goes back to Stanford doesn't throw the ball out of formation. So defenses just bring everybody up and and then there's one more defender than Stanford can block. So I'd like to see them spread out a little bit more, throw it more. Uh, you go back to the Oregon game and certainly the Washington State game, through the first five games of the season, Stanford ran the fewest amount of plays of any team in the country. They ran 53 plays a game. Last couple of weeks, they've, they've run 71, I think 67, if I'm correct there. When you need to outscore teams and you have playmakers, run more plays. I, I love Tanner McKee at the end of the first half against Washington State, running that up-tempo, two-minute style offense. He seems to have control. He sees the field well. I'd put the ball in his, in his hands 75 plays a game, uh, not necessarily throwing it, but let's see what that offense can do with more up-tempo And I think that's another way to put pressure on the defense where right now defenses don't have much to prepare for.
0: And certainly we've seen that when Stanford's ratcheted up the tempo at times throughout this season, more often than not, it has uh, done good things uh, for their productivity. Of course, it also all depends on the offensive line. Pass blocking seems to be fine. Run blocking, uh, that's probably something else completely entirely. Let's switch it over to the other side of the ball. Uh, defensively, I was pretty concerned about uh, the personnel uh, that Stanford had coming in with the secondary in particular. Then lo and behold, they put that game together against USC in the secondary, just stealing the show. And overall, however, Stanford defensively with some hit-or-miss moments, especially in critical junctures. What do you make of what's been happening on that side of the ball?
4: I think you go back to preseason expectations. That's sort of what you thought going in. They just they don't have the size up front to really get to the quarterback and slow down run offenses. They're not getting a lot of turnovers. I think that's a critical piece. If you're going to give up big plays or um, – Points, you got to get the ball back for the offense. And they haven't done that, certainly not consistently. They just haven't seen the force fumbles or get interceptions. So whether that means blitz more or take more chances, play more man to man on short routes, uh, and maybe give up the big play, if that leads to two more possessions a game, uh, maybe that's where Stanford has to go defensively. Because when they just rush four, it, it's been tough for them to get to the quarterback. It, uh, listen, there's teams that run the ball effectively. They still got to play uh, Oregon state, Notre Dame. And mm-hmm. Those are teams that are, have proven they can run the ball up and down the field if you let them. So figure out ways to get tackles for loss to get negative plays uh, because there's just too many, as you watch teams, there's too many consistent drives um, where teams can just drive the ball down the field and mix that in with the occasional big play. I and mean, that's what Washington state did. They, they would, check it down or run the ball for five yards and then go up top and rip off big chunks. And that's where Stanford either needs to find a way to get the ball back or keep up offensively with similar big plays.
0: Yeah. And, and certainly I thought uh, some things that Washington State did scheme wise, uh, lining up in different uh, personnel. And, uh, and, and formations in which they force one of the inside linebackers out of the box. They only have one guy in there, opens it up for the draw, puts the other linebacker in coverage. Either way, you got something good. So you know, tip of the cap to Washington State on that one. But uh, certainly yeah. some things that uh, that Stanford defensively uh, could be cleaning up as well. Um, we talked. You hinted at it at the start of the, at the start of this chat. Uh, you have your Saturdays open. Now you've actually been checking games out and we'll record them and watch them. You've been in the stands, but not in the radio booth as you had been over the past uh, decade plus or so. Uh, how is that, What's that different perspective kind of been like, and what's it kind of, uh, allowed you to see and experience that you maybe hadn't been experiencing the previous decade before?
4: Well, it's different. Uh, I mentioned earlier, you know, between high school, starting in high school where I was playing on Saturdays and freshman team going up to college and and pros and then coaching and then broadcasting. I mean, I've been busy since I was basically 14 on the weekends. I'm not quite 14 anymore, but um, it's great. I got three young kids, uh, 10, 8, and 5, and they've got a lot of sports going on and uh, being able to coach them or certainly attend their games Uh, has been fun. And then I I managed to either watch the games live or record Stanford games and catch up later. My wife would say there's not much difference because if I'm watching the game live, I'll be saying the exact same things I would have said in the booth, uh, John and Dave uh, over the years. Um, But it is, I think it's, I'm not as emotionally invested. Like there were some games where I'd come home and be down or tired. And certainly when I'm traveling and you get home late at night. They don't spend the night on Saturdays. You get home late and roll right into Sundays. And if they lost them, my wife would know whether the team won or lost based on my mood <laughs> Sunday morning. So I think I'm a little less emotionally involved. I still care about the team and the program and love watching certainly offense. I mean, both sides, but I'm excited about Tanner McKee and I, I really enjoy watching him play and I'm going to be excited about his growth and development over the years and seeing young players step up. I mean, I think the question coming into this year is who's the next good tight end that Stanford has been so successful in producing. I think they found that guy in your roster. Mm-hmm. I'd like the wide receivers. I mean, I was spoiled with the guys that I was able to throw to in my career and Deronic Pitts and Troy Walters and Dave Davis and some of those guys, they weren't quite the stature of Elijah Higgins and <laughs> Bryson Tremaine and some of those guys that uh, Tanner McKee has to throw to. They, they were certainly exceptional, but um I think Stanford has great offensive talent that I they really, I really believe that if they can find a way to put things together, part of that back developing over the course of his career, but you look at where Kevin Hogan was early in his career. He wasn't ready to take on, you know, if Stanford got down two touchdowns, boy, it was tough for Stanford to come back. I think you look at Tanner McKee, you feel good about his ability to lead the offense and score points uh, over the course of the game. And I, I'm excited to see, to watch him over the next few years grow and develop and become, I think a, a great one, uh, in a Cardinal uniform.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's gonna be, it's gonna be a lot of fun in the couple of years ahead. Uh, as we wrap this up real quick, how are you feeling about this Saturday night against the Huskies?
4: It's not a must win obviously because there's still some games left on the schedule, but I think it makes their, uh, bowl aspirations a lot easier to attain uh, Washington team. Certainly a big drop-off from years past uh, under under Peterson. I think this is a game they've they've got to come in ready to play. Under the lights, uh, Stanford needs to be hungry. And I think, similar to Washington State, get out early to a good start. But more importantly, keep the foot on the gas in the second and third quarters where they really struggled. You go back to Oregon and Washington State. uh, I mean, Arizona State, they never were able to really get much going that game. But uh, the the sluggishness and the three-and-outs – uh, really hurt Stanford in those two games. They were able to come back against Oregon, but keep the foot on the gas. What they did in the first quarter against against the Cougars, just keep doing it for three more, and all of a sudden you're going to look up and have 42 points, and, and I think be sitting on a win. So I'd like to see more up tempo offense, run more plays, run 75, 80 plays. I think that's going to be the recipe for success for the next over the last you know five games of the season. If they can do that, uh, they have a chance to beat all of
0: the teams left on their schedule. It's funny. Every time I think of Stanford versus Washington, I flash back to 2011 when uh, Stanford dropped 446 yards rushing on the Huskies. That, that you know, awesome. One of the more incredible performances I've ever seen the Stanford team put out. If Stanford can rush for a quarter of that, I think I'll be happy. I think I'll That's take it. a win. It.
4: Yeah. <laughs> I'll take it so well above their season average. Yeah. I mean, not, <laughs> who would have thought a Stanford team would be rushing for less than hundred yards a game or, a team that's rushing for less yards than Washington state. Yeah. I mean That's that's unheard of. Uh, So get the run game back on track. But I think the way to do that is to pass first and spread teams out, make sure that they can't overload the box. Don't run that, you know, three tight end fullback set, spread teams out and let their running backs get uh, one-on-one because we've seen them. We've seen them make guys miss or run over people. We have the personnel. Let's see them cut loose.
0: Yeah, yeah. Let's see. And Let's all start finding out some things as far as Stanford and how uh, well equipped they are for the home stretch of the season. Starts the Saturday evening against the Washington Huskies, and you know Todd Huzak will have his eagle eyes on all the festivities. Todd, I'll thanks. I'll there a in much. Chuck Taylor
4: Grove. You got there. It. You go.
0: <laughs> That's the
4: place. That's to a difference. Be. <laughs> That's a difference this year. I can I can go uh, hang out with my buddies and uh, uh, talk talk Stanford football in Chuck Taylor Grove versus up in the booth.
0: Enjoy a bit more of the pregame uh, ceremonies, yes, exactly. shall we say? Yes, exactly. yes. <laughs> Todd, thanks a bunch. Always appreciate right. it. Looking forward to chatting with you and the crossing paths with you again uh, sometime soon. Thanks a bunch. Stay healthy. Take we'll care, Talk to Troy. you guys soon. Always enjoy catching up with my man Todd Hughes. God, that game was ten years ago. <laughs> oh man, that night and when Stanford just simply beat up and crushed the Washington Huskies, 446 yards on the ground, a night that some people contend might've actually cost Andrew Luck the Heisman that year because he didn't throw the ball enough. And Andrew was, you know, that night, he was just, he just kept checking the runs because that's what the Washington defense was showing him. I, I remember I was living in Pittsburgh at the time and watching that game and and just being on my couch, just gobsmacked by that evening. That was fun. That was that was a great night. Well, Stanford didn't run for 446 yards against UW last year, but they still looked pretty good on the ground when the card went to Husky Stadium, fresh off of their walk through the day before at some at some park in downtown Bellevue over on the Seattle East Side, and they went over there. And they handed the Huskies a loss. Foster Sorrell, Stanford's uh, right tackle last year, a Washington kid. He was, he was pretty happy about that. Austin Jones carried the rock for 31 times uh, and 138 yards that day. Much of that yardage coming behind fullback Houston Haymouli, who just threw an absolute clinic in lead blocking that day. If that game's still on your DVR, go back and watch it. If you're into that kind of stuff, watching fullbacks do their thing, Man, that was just virtuoso, say magnifique type stuff from Houston Haymouly that afternoon up in Seattle last year. Well, on Tuesday, I asked Houston what he remembered about that performance and how he can channel that day into this Saturday's meeting against
2: the Huskies. It's always a game every year going against the Huskies. So I just remember thinking all that day, I was like, Details, details. Like every moment I had, I was like looking at some kind of film and you know, seeing the roster, seeing how they played. Um, and again, what popped my mind from last year and what needs to happen this year for us are details, um, execution on little details. You know, I feel like a run game has has great potential and has 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 sprouted here and there. Um, but little mistakes per person, myself included, have um, kind of like harmed it sometimes. And last year, like I said, we were all just happened to know what we're doing. We're all on the same page. You know, we're all in that flow of things. Um, and that's what I want to see this year, uh, especially out of myself and a lot of us in this run game, including against Washington. And we can play physical. Washington plays physical, but it's going to come to like, who's going to etch out the details, who's going to think, do things right uh, most of the time. It's Houston, Houston
0: Haymooley And yeah, details will certainly matter against the Huskies as these two teams seem to be very similar in, in many different ways. And in fact, to hear David Shaw tell it, when Stanford looks at Dub, it might as well be looking in the mirror.
1: The Huskies don't have the record that they wanted, but they've been in a lot of these games, um, kind of just like us. They've shown flashes of being able to, to be explosive in the passing game. They've shown flashes of being able to be uh, very physical and efficient in a running game. Um, they've shown that they can get after the passer and pass rush. Um, they've shown that they can do a good job against the run. Um but once again, most like us, they've had some ups and downs, um, some really difficult quarters followed by some great quarters. And you watch the Arizona game, kind of been like the season. You know, First game, first, first half, they didn't play anywhere closer they were capable of. Second half, you saw that defense come alive and be physical and active and fast. Um, you saw the offense be able to make some plays. You see their quarterback come in and make some big-time throws, some big NFL-type throws um, after maybe not playing his best half in the first half. Um, so uh, this is just another very good football team that uh, doesn't have the record they wanted to have either. Uh, but this is going to be a battle. Yeah, tail of the tape overall quite similar. Stanford's three and
0: four entering this week's action. So are the Huskies. Stanford's had moments where they've looked great. So of the Huskies. Stanford's had some lackluster results. So of the Huskies, they needed to come. They needed to come back to beat Arizona by five. And Arizona's bad. And the Huskies lost to Montana at home. Only scoring seven points along the way. Stanford's shuffling its offensive line a little bit. So are the Huskies. Their left tackle's a redshirt freshman coming off his first career start. Left guard for them has been in flux. And right tackle is a rotation. And Stanford's been banged up. And so have the Huskies. UW announcing this week that Inside linebacker Edifuan Ulafoshio and running back Richard Newton are out for the season. Both of those guys got hurt a couple weeks ago against UCLA. Ulafoshio is UW's second-leading tackler, and Newton, just a bruising running back. I remember seeing him a couple years ago and being very impressed, but he just hasn't stayed healthy. But when he's on, he is a load. But Newton and Ulafoshio are both out for the season. Now, one guy, the Huskies just got back. You might remember him. Then again, if you only watched Washington's game against Stanford last year, you might not remember him. Zion Tupolo Fatui, the outside linebacker who just blew up at the start of the year and was arguably one of the most dangerous defensive players in all of college football heading into Stanford's meeting against Washington last season. Then he got zeroed out by the Stanford offensive line. (laughs) No tackles. No sacks, no tackles for loss, no passes to def- nothing. Then he tore his Achilles during spring ball. And now he's back six months after that injury. So uh ZTF is back for the Huskies. How how effective is he? Is how close is he to, to the form that he showed the first few weeks of the 2020 season? Uh, who knows? Who knows? But he's back, and that's that's a start. That's certainly a start. One thing to keep in mind while watching this game, UW has allowed over 194 rushing yards per game. That's 11th in the Pac-12. Only one team has given up more rushing yards per game. You guessed it, Stanford. Over 202 rushing yards per game allowed. So in some ways, perhaps there's no better opponent for Stanford's running game to regain consistency and production against. You know, Washington hasn't exactly shown any sort of consistency in stopping the run. Can the Cardinal take advantage? Can the Cardinal muscle up and make it look like 2011 or make it look like when um, Joshua Garnett blew up uh, that uh, Washington linebacker and just knocked him in the next week, that was a great play. I remember being a, in a hotel bar in Spokane, the Davenport, great spot, watching that game on one of the TVs while eating dinner and just almost leaping out of my seat when, when I saw Garnett light that poor guy up. That was fun to watch, man. So could we see a return to intellectual brutality for the Stanford offensive line? Well, this, in some ways, this might be the, the opponent to see it against. And it would not be able to come at a better time. Hey, and if Stanford wants to run tempo, I, I wouldn't be mad at that either. But if Stanford gets out to a big lead, the best way to hold on to it isn't exactly by throwing the ball, but by running down the clock by mashing them down. Stanford hasn't shown that they can do that to anyone so far this year. It'll be nice to see if they can do it this time around. We'll see. We'll see. You got keys to Saturday. I always welcome them. Hit me up on Twitter. Hashtag TreeCast. Hashtag TreeCast. Have you told anyone about this show? You can. I'm not embarrassed about it. I'm not anyway. You might be, but I'm not embarrassed about this. Hey, tell folks about the show. Uh, download numbers have been pretty good so far this season. Much higher than than this time last year. That's certainly good news. And we appreciate you uh, sharing, sharing the show, getting the word out about the program. And uh, we are proud here on the TreeCast to be the leader in the podcast space in covering Stanford sports. It's been fun. It's been a lot of fun. Hope hope you hope you've enjoyed it as uh, much as I have. And I uh, hope we have good things to talk about on Sunday when we will put the wraps on Stanford versus Washington and start to uh, turn the corner and turn the page, turn the calendar into November. That's the money month right there. And hopefully Stanford heads into November with a big win against the Washington Huskies. That'll wrap it up for this edition of the TreeCast with Troy Clare. These special thanks to our guests, Stanford Offensive Line Coach Terry Heffernan and the one and only Todd Huzak. You also heard from David Shaw, Stanford Inside Linebacker Jacob mangum Ferrar, and Stanford Fullback Houston Haymouli. Of course, as always, the biggest thanks going out to you for checking out the show listening to the show, and supporting the program as well. Don't drink and drive if you do. You're the dumbest person on the planet. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay sane. Back the pack and back the vac. We'll talk to you Sunday on the TreeCast with Troy Clark. On the Believe Podcast No. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop.